You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Welcome to Elster's a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague, and joining me is Corey Scott. And real quick before we get started, for all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsternerds.com. And for the other Galactic Network programs, go on over to gncasts.com. And as a warning, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and swear liberally. You have been warned. Being on Elsternerds is kind of like being a Toys R Us kid at this point. Who knows what the <laughs> fuck that means anymore? You know, it's just it's just a sad, sad day for for everybody who ever was a child or wants to be again in the future. Eh, not me, because I mean, I mean, I, I mean, okay, I, I say that as a cold-hearted dick. That is my favorite Paula Abdul song. <laughs> Straight up, I'm telling you. <laughs> Since I, full disclosure, I work for uh, their competitor, Target. It, it's it's exciting for me because one they're not that far so when they do announce like and they, i see the sign store closing i'm definitely going to go in there and be like what toys can i get for dirt cheap and stuff like that but then also it's like i know a lot of the people who are like oh, i'm looking for this and it's been like be the funko uh people because i mean let's face it or any of the other hard to come by things which by the way i think the uh push for the super nintendo classic has died at least here because in my target we have had two this whole week that no one has came and got so yeah I, it's not really the hot ticket item right now um but still we had up until you know the end of last year people asking about the nes classic yeah and then and all that and i'm like um no they discontinued that back in march or you know any you know, after Nintendo finally like, yeah, we can't keep up with demand. I mean, I mean, I mean, press release. This was only going to be a limited item. So, but yeah, we've had them in there. I'm like, all right, cool. I will shit my pants and I will pick it up if it goes on clearance. I don't think it <laughs> will, but I'll be like, I'm going on break. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of silly. I don't have any reason to need one. I, I It would just be the idea of having a quick, easy on yeah. access to Zelda's A Link to the Past, which is a game that I did not own. I didn't own that system, but a friend of mine did, and I stayed the weekend over at their house, and I played through the entire game in that weekend. Much like uh, another friend of mine who had the Turbo Graphics and the Turbo Graphics CD, yeah. and I played through ESE, uh, which is YS, books one and two, which was the first CD game, I think, that they really had for that system. And and I beat that game, and he was pissed at me because I beat it before he did um, on his system because I didn't own it. Yeah. Oh no, my uh, my brother, he's he's like that, or he was like that with one of the Assassin's Creed games, but it wasn't on his system. It was like because he's and he's calmed down since he's had a kid, and and he has another one coming. Um, and it's my brother-in-law technically, but it's easier to just call him brother, but he uh like i borrowed i think it was assassin's creed revelations it was the first one where they were in italy uh for out of the assassin's creed series and 
I, I was playing it and he came back to get the game and I'm like, I'm just, I think I'm at the end here, dude. So we watched the ending. He hadn't even gotten that far. It's so like, he, I literally spoiled the game for him. <laughs> he was like, Speaking of, I tuned in to a previous recording on your Twitch channel uh, <laughs> for Elsner's listeners. Gregor has a Twitch channel and watched you playing through some Hitman episode yeah. that I apparently own because I got it on some hum- Humble Bundle, I think, a while ago. So I've got all the Hitman games from that time, at least, yeah. uh, in this bundle. So I wound up playing it because of you. I've never opened any of those games. Yeah. And it was, it, this is like, oh, what is he doing? Oh, that looks kind of interesting. I'll, I'll give that a shot, literally. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I had a much easier time beating it than you did, apparently. <laughs> Which, so did you do the Sniper Challenge? Yes. Okay, so that one, it's, and it's just one level. I didn't know that. Like yeah. going in, I thought it was like, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, because I played the mobile game version beforehand, which it's very similar, except it's in basically picture it in like Malibu, like with like one of those big houses that are all sprawled out and they give you different levels after you complete them. Like it might be, and you have like different objectives, like, okay, score, you know, this amount of points using, you know, without holding your breath or whatever while standing on one leg and, you know whatever the, the challenge might be the same so that, way I masturbate. Yeah. And yeah. that's sort of what I was expecting with. Oh, and uh, by the way, I should probably plug uh, it's twitch.tv slash that Gregor. <laughs> um, Plugging but, is also how I masturbate. Yes. But the, so that's what I was expecting. But with this one, the challenge is basically getting all the guards before you kill the, your target. And I think the part that threw me the most is the fact that they have the landmines there. And I'm like, and so the, the school kid in me just goes, yeah. and it just says there, boom. And you see burning charred guy. And I'm like, oh, that's great. I want to do that again. I do that again. Oh, they're leaving. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is disappointing though that it's just one level because it it's over very fast. And then it's just re- repeating it over and over yeah. again, I guess, until you get the perfect score. But it hasn't caused me to open any of the other games yet. <laughs> well, I th- I think I might be doing a, um, some more streaming here, maybe tomorrow or if not later on this weekend, because Twitch is doing their own free games. And one of the games is a game I own on my Xbox, but it's one of, like and playing it. I'm like, this is really fun, but I want sort of want to do the Twitch thing and just be like here you know watch me play this game and it's a great storytelling game it's called oxen free um i actually got it as a free game on um the xbox and all that and i'm like let's play this story game a little bit because i've been looking you know all the games i have are, are older and so it's either all right well let's do minecraft here watch me use use a plug-in while i build the millennium falcon or the milano from guardians of the galaxy or you know or uh, the serenity from firefly you know anything like that but or play all these other games is in here and i'm like all right that's cool and they're doing like every month they're doing new games like what six new games or something like that so like sweet check out these games (laughs) (laughs) but yeah enough self-promo fluffing here let's get to the news shall we the first bit of news is that ava duvernay i think i pronouncing her last name right is set or is in negotiations like the final negotiations to direct the Jack Kirby comic or the, that he created for DC called the new gods 
for Warner Brothers. So yeah, everyone's on a big Jack Kirby, and rightfully so, on a big Jack Kirby kick. I didn't realize until watching these special features for Thor Ragnarok that they did pay a lot of homage within Sakaar, like with the colors, to Jack Kirby in that way. But yeah, yeah this Thor has always been in in my head. It's it's been Kirby and uh, Walt Simonson are the the two people that you most associate with doing runs on the character. Ava DuVernay, we should mention, is the director who just did A Wrinkle in Time. Yes. Correct? Yes. Uh, so based off of that movie, which I know didn't get number one in the box office uh, over the last weekend, but it lost to another Disney-owned film in Black Panther in its fourth yeah. week, uh, still at number one, which is incredible. Which, um, which I think is funny because wasn't she rumored at one point to be doing Black Panther? Oh, I don't know. I, I know she was doing a mo- Marvel movie. I don't know if it was that one or if it was Cap Marvel. That sort of, I mean, there's a part of me that if I was her, first off, I mean, I'd wouldn't be doing this but it's it's like you hear about like the actors who like they add like they get asked if there's one thing that you regret i could see that being the case for her but at the same time but at the same time i don't see black panther being the same movie if she directed it as opposed to ryan coogler and and that's the thing is you have to you have to know okay yeah i could have done black panther but it wouldn't have been the same black panther that doesn't mean it wouldn't have been still successful uh, it may have just been a, a, another version of, of success. It may have been as big, bigger, not as big. It's hard to say. It You can't worry so much about the regret. You just see it as, well, what is my next opportunity and what can I do that's going to gather yeah. my interest? Uh, the New Gods is interesting in a lot of ways. One, because it's a very Thorish property. It, it It's gods. It's that space thing. So it feels in my mind closer to what was just done with Thor Ragnarok as I'm picturing it yeah. that kind of film which makes sense to to see what she will do with it to make it her own is important but she has said uh before that her favorite character in comics is Big Barda who mm-hmm. is from the New Gods and is married to Mr. Miracle uh, and, and she says, for many reasons, Big Barter is her favorite character. That's the kind of thing that I like to hear is that she's not coming at this is, oh, well, I wanted to do a superhero movie. Here's my opportunity to do a superhero movie and just plug me into one and everything. And I'll do whatever I want with it. This is someone who has a genuine interest in these characters, who has a knowledge of them and probably has a vision for this going in, which frankly is still something that the DC movies, I feel have been missing overall not not across the board but in most of the cases there's also i guess no word on if this is going to be connected in any way to the greater dc cinematic universe which is probably right now good yeah here's here's sort of the thing i'm thinking about this because it said in here you know in the in the article from uh from deadline there's no connection to any other dc properties um, right now, where studio boss uh, Toby Emmerich and his newly installed DC production president Walter Hamada are moving forward with new approach, or with new approach to filmmaker makers on their DC-based fare, what I honestly think they they could do as an easier thing is just do a freaking 
good movie, you know, movies based on these characters, you know, like Shazam don't have it set in the, you know, with this big connective tissue. Now it gets tricky when you get to the core justice league characters or even the Trinity, you know, of Batman, Superman, one woman, because a lot of their stuff is heavily intertwined. Um, but think about how opposite that is from what we've been saying for the last few years yeah. about DC and in relation to the DC film verse versus the DV, uh, the TV DC universe. And, oh, well, there's going to be this Batgirl movie, but does it actually have anything to do with, with the Ben Affleck Batman at all? And, and we have been saying you, you need to have a tie to the universe. We've been, I've complained personally about, you know, do the shows actually tie into the movies for Marvel at this point? Is Agents yeah. of S.H.I.E.L.D. ever going to spin the other way and reconnect? Is the Defenders universe on Netflix actually going to interact with the film universe at any point in time? So it, it's funny to see now this opposite viewpoint of just make a good movie and, and don't worry about tying it in, which I, I don't disagree with you on. But I, I feel like it's it's cheapening out because we're just so desperate for them to do some multiple good DC movies at this point instead of just having the one success. It's and it's, I, I it's say not, success by by my opinion, not by financial success. Obviously, yeah. while not what people wanted to see, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Justice League were all successful. Uh, Suicide Squad was successful. Yeah. To some degree, and 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 I don't want to harp on it and not be honest at the same time. Yeah, because you're right. It is it is weird, but I guess because this is where I see I see you know if they were to do these movies. Okay, I watched a YouTube video earlier today about uh, it's it's from a wrestling YouTube channel, and it was talking about how the Undertaker streak should have ended, and it's like they and they did it in this beautiful way of. Well, let's open up a wormhole here and look at this universe, this universe, you know, and, this, and finally they get to this one. And I'm like, actually, that makes a lot of sense. So this is going to be me doing a little bit of that, you know, opening up because this is how honestly I would have done the DC side of things. You know, the DC movie franchise, if if we're, we're you know, I would almost do like they have done in the beginning, make some different changes, not have Zack Snyder direct the first three fucking movies. Not because he's a bad director, but to get to copy what works over at Marvel to put it in a cheap way of getting other directors to get other tastes in. And actually, I probably would have had Zack Snyder do the Justice League movie, you know, not do Superman and then do Batman versus Superman, but have him be the DC Joss Whedon here. Yeah. So, and but so you get, to be but, fair, Snyder really was telling a continuing story of yeah. his Superman character. And since Justice League wound up out of his hands eventually, we never really did see where he yeah. was continuing it into. But it all was kind of one story from him. They didn't have him direct Wonder Woman other than having his hands in the the final act of it, uh, which is apparent when you're watching it. And to me, kind of the biggest shortcoming of the film. But again, I, I don't want to pick on him. It's just like oh. it's very jarring when you see that happen. Suicide Squad, same thing. They got someone else to direct it. They had Snyder's involvement in a Joss Whedon-esque type of thing. 
I don't think that that's not what they did. It's just that they went all in so much with him from the beginning. Yeah. That nothing else really felt as impactful as what his presence was in those films and in that universe until one one became a runaway hit. Yeah. But, but then, and here, so I'm going to continue down this thing here of where you get, so you, you get the directors who have different visions on these, these type of characters. Basically you do not the justice league, but the Trinity. So you do wonder woman, Batman, Superman with their own movies, but there's these, little easter egg things not full-on go you know blatantly like oh they're all in the same universe meanwhile while we're doing that we also have the to a degree lesser characters um you know the flashes aquamans green lanterns you know all these other movies that they're announcing the new gods and have them in these you know just as movies you know like hey we're, we're doing these movies there are these great ideas and then if all of them succeed you know, like if the Shazam movie succeeds, well then, hey, guess who's going to be appearing in Justice League 2? Shazam. And who's going to be the villain? Well, it's going to be The Rock playing Black Adam and stuff like that. To where you get that way to where it's because there's enough stuff that you could do with these properties to make them separate, but tie them in if need be. Right. You know? And and that's that's the problem is that the, the main line through the DC Universe films have been all stemming from superman to then superman versus batman with wonder woman yeah. uh and then to justice league so and, and it's it's honestly when you look at when you look at ant-man when you look at black panther when you look at the first movie for each of the individual avenger characters they don't have each other to rely on they all tell their own stories but you get those little bits of flavor in there that make you go oh this is part of a bigger universe and then they take that as the foundation and they build something else and that yeah dc unfortunately seem to do it backwards uh which has been a complaint from the beginning but that's that's neither here nor there the only thing that i do have to say though is that in justice league we were given this doorway into what was supposed to be the new gods we were supposed to be seeing dark side steppenwolf and the mother boxes were supposed to be leading into that so for them to be talking about doing a new gods movie and then saying yeah but it doesn't really have anything to do with the stuff that we were going to do with Justice League, which I can understand. Step back from that. It wasn't done in the film anyways, but it was very obvious that that's where they were trying to go, at least in Snyder's original vision. It seems odd to me to not utilize it. It would be the same thing as saying, at this point, after having been cast in the role for the last five years and still not showing up in anything, including it looks like the new Shazam movie, to not have The Rock as Black Adam ever fight Shazam. It seems like it would be a very odd move to not utilize the characters interacting with each other, especially ones that are meant to or ones that have their in. The other thing about Justice League though is like do you remember all the posters that said unite the 7? Like I'm not the greatest mathematician in the world, but I who was number fucking 7? Wait, did was it, it say was seven? it Alfred? Was it the box? Yeah, they all the posters if we're originally in the Justice League, we're Unite the Seven. And we never got a Seven. <laughs> Not the Seven Seas. Yeah, uh, I don't even know that fucking Aquaman ever made it in a salt water in that movie. It seemed like Atlantis was about 20 feet deep, uh, which is deeper than the script. I just, I, yeah, I, 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 I feel like there's a lot of, uh, 
I, I'm just saying, give me the Zack Snyder's cut. No, I'm not saying that at all. But it does seem like there was another Justice League movie that was supposed to happen, and none of it ever paid off in the way that it was supposed to in the theater. And that's part of the problem. So now they have to second guess every single thing. Oh, we're going to do a New Gods movie. Oh, they're still talking about doing a Booster Gold movie. Yeah, sure. You know, it, it, yeah. it's all vaporware. True. And, 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 but, and then on the other side here, because, I mean... You know, and also to move it forward a little bit, we got some casting news on the the Wonder Woman sequel, and that is Kristen Wiig is set to play Cheetah. I would assume as the villain in this. Um, there's some other details that have come up here with this that uh, the Wonder Woman sequel will be set during uh, the Cold War 1980s. Well, by the way, no, it, we're talking about DC, so she's not the villain. She's the uh, little impish sidekick like the orco to wonder woman's he-man um, <laughs> i do not remember the female orco from she rather otherwise i'm going to use that as an example but she was exactly. just as annoying i find it interesting that they cast kristen wig not because she's a bad actor or anything like that but because this is a left turn for her you know role wise i mean she hasn't done strictly like comedy roles but she's done more independent roles in a lot of she's things. done a lot of independent films she's done dark comedies it, even something that's strictly comedy in the way that bridesmaids is there's still an emotional depth to the depression that her character goes through in that yeah which i like kristen wick a lot uh, I think that she can be incredibly funny when she wants to be funny. I think she's naturally funny. I think she's also naturally multi-talented. Uh, when you see her doing the dance portion of the Sia performance on SNL, when you see her uh, writing things and doing other things that do feel like they're against her type. But the problem is we've only known her mostly from being introduced as, as Saturday Night Live alum. And going from that to doing other comedy work, but her not as well publicized stuff, she's not concentrating strictly on comedy. And she left Saturday Night Live at a very high point when she could have stuck around a lot longer and just gone on to do nothing but comedies, doing uh, Paul Feige stuff. I feel that she's very brave in the choices that she's made because she could have just a very easy career of doing similar things. I, I'm not going to knock Melissa McCarthy. M Melissa McCarthy's roles have all had a very comedic bent. Like, yeah. I haven't seen her go and do a drama, really, other than being on Gilmore Girls or whatever. So, like, and that that's what Kristen Wiig could have done, but she didn't. It It's still, I have bad memories of utilizing female characters and then giving them a female villain and that female villain being very hammy but then a lot of yeah. the male villains in male superhero movies have been very hammy throughout time. Like if you go back to the Supergirl movie from the 80s with Helen Slater, the villain characters in that were were way over the top silly in a lot of ways. But then so was Lex Luthor played yeah. by Hackman. So it's it's not fair to only judge female characters from that. But when you see that they're choosing somebody who does do comedy so well and so naturally... And you hear that she's going to be the villain in what was a sequel to a, a pretty serious movie and a, a well done movie. You wonder what was the inspiration there? What are they looking for taking this direction? Now, I remember 
Cheetah from the Super Friends cartoons, uh, Challenge of the Super Friends, more specifically, growing up. And looking at the animation of that character, I can definitely see Chris and Wig playing that version of that character, which was in the 70s and 80s, which is kind of awesome. I don't know that that's the direction they're going to go. But already, this being taking place during the Cold War in the 80s gives it a nostalgia vibe, Mm -hmm. which is in itself inherently silly in feeling without seeing what they're actually going to do with it. It makes me, it conjures things in my head of like, well, the 80s really do look silly now. That's why the Goldbergs is such a great representation of it. Because it, it just, it's unbelievable the shit that we thought was okay back in the 80s. Yeah. And I can only say it's because we're all really hungry waiting for trickle-down economics to give us food. I'm hopeful in this, because again, the people who made the first Wonder Woman movie are the people making the second Wonder Woman movie. It may have been a fluke, or it may have been they know exactly what the fuck they're doing. And this could be absolutely fantastic. And yeah. I would rather lean towards giving credit and 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 believing in them for what they've accomplished than pissing all over it because I can't imagine it being another way than it is in my head right now. And no, even in this... my head, that's not a bad flick. It's just a very different flick from what yeah. I see from this one woman. No, this isn't me pissing all over the fact oh, that I'm not saying you are. Yeah. I'm saying I could. Yeah. It's because I mean I look at this and honestly it does seem it seems weird because Kristen Wick again, because Kristen Wick has mainly done comedies. Like like I, I look back at um you know you know like like Jim Carrey or Robin Williams where they did these other movies that were, you know, more dramas and it didn't really work the way that they wanted it to at times. You know, I mean, sometimes of- it did. like Robin Williams, you can't take away from Good Morning Vietnam, which was both a comedy and very heavy drama. Yeah. Uh, you, you have him in Goodwill Hunting. Oh, like, yeah. Nobody would ever say that he couldn't do serious acting, but people for a long time saw Robin Williams and expected him to be one way. If you gave me. Andy Samberg is is the lead in the new Death Wish as opposed to Bruce Willis. I'm going to expect an Andy Samberg comedy movie with Death Wish is the name as much as Baywatch was, you know, related to the TV series or Chips was related to the TV series. But then at the same time, we've got Bill Hader is going to be playing a hitman on an HBO series. And again, you think Bill Hader comedically a genius you know to yeah. me one of the funniest people around so in my head i know what the show is but is that all that it is and is that all that he's capable of he's probably capable of a lot more uh than what i I've, I've expected from him and yeah. I, I feel like this is the same thing is that just because he's certain comedy doesn't mean that's all you can do and it no. may not be thing that you should necessarily do forever and, and 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 that's not what i'm saying i'm saying you know i don't want because i look at I think it was Robin Williams' first, like, like his first couple serious roles. People were like, "Oh no, that was horrible!" And this is going to be her one of her first, you know, more serious roles. Certainly, um, the most high profile of yeah. her. Well, yeah, her definitely the most the most high profile of it. And it's and so I like I don't want this to be a setback for her. Because I mean, with what I've seen, you know, the, the the like for example, the Skeleton Twins movie, some of the serious parts that she's doing in there, she is great at. You know, like 
she can i know she can do the drama as long as well as the comedy i don't know why i said those like i was the old but but my, my other question is who do you think they would have her play would she be priscilla rich you know the first cheetah that william moulton marston created would she be deborah domain which sounds like a dominatrix name uh, Which Age... leads more towards Marston's creating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the Bronze Age cheetah, or would she be the popular, you know, current one of Barbara Ann Minerva? Because that's I, I that is see... the question. Or does she transfer? Is she like an amalgam of the three? Yeah. Like what you get in in some of the other movies where they have to combine characters to make something that all makes sense. Uh, basically, basically, who gets who gets do, credit for creating her? Is it do we do we feel like? Seeing a half woman, half cat person up on screen, is that going to over, is it going to take away from the agency of the Wonder Woman character that we got that was fighting in a very real war scenario to now, like, she she fights a woman who's part cat? It that That's the thing. And, and the whole part of Wonder Woman that took me out of the film was the giant fucking Ares thing that looks like every DC film villain at the end where it's just the ridiculousness of like i have to beat up this thing that's like towering over everybody else and is in front of a fucking major green screen and is all digital that removed me from what was otherwise a very intensely uh, heartfelt film in a lot of ways or is she cheetah in the fact that it's the character who we know is cheetah in the comics but isn't actually doing things like cheetah in the comics you know, it it it's like Whiplash never really was Whiplash in Iron Man two, and that's a horrible horrible example, anyways. But yeah. it's like um, Baron Zemo in Civil War was nothing like the Baron Zemo in the comics at all. Was you're just right, basically right. like he wasn't a, a spy. With right, he, he was a spy kid with a fucking vendetta against the Avengers, and that yeah. that's it. I mean, one of the ways, honestly, because this is the way I would see doing it would be. You have so this is set in in the eighties. You go either with her as like she's on the Russian side, or she's you know on you know the the other side. But I would almost say it would be better to go with her as the ar- archaeologist. With the what was it DC Rebirth? They did this uh, this arc where Cheetah was Barbara, where she was Doctor Minerva again. And Wonder Woman was sitting there trying to save her from, you know, going back to the cheetah, you know, as this whole other entity, um, you know, inside her and all that stuff. I sort of like that a little bit more than what, you know, as a story, because there's a lot of great storytelling things that I could see them pulling here for the movie. I don't know. I'm not a writer, like at all. You know, I like I only have I'm an idea guy, if anything. So, I mean, I could see them pulling stuff like that and it being really cool to where I, so that's where I would probably lean more towards the Dr. Barbara and Minerva just because, I mean, we could see some really good, a, a good dichotomy to the character. Yeah. You, you know, to where it's not just, I'm a bad guy. I mean, I mean, girl, you know. Yeah. Like, I, you definitely don't want it to head towards the direction of the Halle Berry Catwoman movie. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is. A legitimate worry you yeah. know it, it's not a legitimate worry for the the p 
people who made the first Wonder Woman movie, but it is a legitimate worry for superhero movies in the past and and them going towards that sort of thing. It, it's the the real world feel of of superheroes, which is strange. We're talking about people who have bullets bounce off of them, can fly, yeah. uh, that live in fucking space and everything. Yet there's a there's just a solid bit of reality in in that that somehow brings it all together and that's what we want is we want something that doesn't goes go over the top silly although there are times when i think that's okay if if they yeah. do that with with shazam shazam's a character where i want that shazam's a character where i wanted to be as much for kids if not more so than it is for grown-ups shazam's a character that i want to see embrace things like the talking worm and and tawny tiger and all the weird things that shazam has had over the years you know and a fucking wizard that calls forth the the names of the gods and just uses their first initials to make a magic word you know i want everything that i loved as about captain marvel and shazam as a kid to be in that movie i don't have a problem with it if it somehow then still crosses over with the rest of the dc film universe as long as they can be true to what that is and be true to whatever the rest of the DC film universe is supposed to be. But it feels like Wonder Woman has already established a feeling of what her films are in the first one. And you can definitely go off script with that because look at, again, Thor 3, very different from the first two films. Well, but then again, you can honestly say the same thing with Thor and Thor The Dark World. Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't you, feel like they were dissimilar enough. It it almost felt too repetitive to the first one. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at Captain America, the first Avenger versus uh, the Winter Soldier, huge change up in those movies. Well, uh, I, Iron Man I three, I think, because I say that because no Thor movie has been directed by the same guy twice. True, absolutely true. Yeah, which. I mean, what leads us to our next story here. Thank you for the segue there, Corey, because Thor three director, Thor Ragnarok director, Taika Waititi has a new project. And, and I've been curious, honestly, myself as a, you know, big fan of his, you know, what was his next thing going to be? Is he going to jump right back in, you know, for Thor Ragnarok two or, you know, whatever they call the Thor four. And actually it is a movie that he has been working on. It made the, blacklist uh the hollywood blacklist in 2012 called jojo rabbit now this movie it's he's also going to be starring in it um so he's going to write direct and star in this movie where he will play adolf hitler now 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 before you turn away he's playing an imaginary version of adolf hitler for a 10 year old boy um who is desperate to join the ranks um to join the dictator's ranks during world war ii it's it is a satire it's not going to be you know like oh here here's a movie for here's a movie that's going to be great in germany or anything like that but it's because one of the things i saw in here that was really great is a quote that uh ytt told the rap in my version of of the movie a lonely boy's best version of his hero is really his dad so it's 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 touching in that part right there because I mean where yeah he is he will be playing Hitler, it's really the guy's dad because he's seeing okay you know he's 
in Germany getting all the propaganda, you know, saying, oh, wow, this charismatic guy, he's going to bring the nation, you know, bring the world around. And then, but really it's like, you know, it's just, daddy, will you come play ball with me? You know, sort of deal. I know you have nothing to say about this, really, or you have so first something. First of all, like... it's a Lego movie. No, I, I have a couple <laughs> things. One, did you watch the second season of Preacher? I didn't get all the way through it. Okay, well, in the second season of Preacher, uh, spoilers for everybody, there is the story arc of Arseface, who was uh, sent to hell by Jesse Custer in the first season, and he spends all of the second season dealing with being in hell, and the one person that he has looking out for him that becomes his friend in it is Hitler, the <laughs> actual Hitler. And it yeah. spends a lot of time humanizing the Hitler character in a show like preacher. It makes absolute sense that that is something that they would do because it's just so fucking horrible. And it's one of those things that just makes you want to spit at your TV. Like don't humanize the most horrible fucking person that ever lived to modern societies. I mean, there, there's been other atrocities throughout uh, history. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about you, Madonna. Uh, but I uh, <laughs> just, I'm not talking about Madonna. Well, anything past material girl. But my point is, preachers a show that can get away with that. I don't yeah. know if it really can get away with that. And I feel like the political climate, at least in America right now, we were getting a show briefly from the makers of game of thrones that was an alternate history where slavery never got abolished and i'm sure that that was going to have a lot of commentary about why slavery was awful and how we have mistreated african americans throughout time and continue to do today and it was going to show parallels i'm i'm positive that's what they were going to go for but just the idea of that show got people up in arms, got people pissed, got it taken off. Like that show went the fuck away. Yeah. Probably never be seen again. Um, well, Trump's America, maybe. But my point is, is that this is this is not right. <laughs> and I, I don't I don't want to say anything about take a week to eat. And, and his idea is probably very genuine. And I'm sure it could be very cute. I just don't really feel like it's going to fly here. Uh, well, maybe maybe where, where he's from in New Zealand, eh, they're a little wacky. I like Flight of the Concords. But I just, I know so, what he's going for. I, yeah. I know what he's going for. It's not the real Hitler. He's not a good person. But we were talking about a kid who looks up to Hitler. And then he's, creates a fantasy Hitler in his head. It's my my fucking Hitler the Pooh is what it is. And um, you know what? Uh, I would rather see the day the clown cried, and I really never want to see that fucking movie, than I do fucking Christopher Robin uh, goose-stepping down <laughs> under Acre Wood. I just, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't really know who's, who's going to 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 settle on distribution of this here in the states i can tell you who has uh, no i know who's, who's agreed to it i think they're gonna fucking lose it i think no, it's gonna it's gonna be a good old bomb because here's here's the thing here and this is again you it can you, you're right it could end up falling out but the 
it has been purchased back in December, I believe it was purchased by Fox Searchlight, which this is on track right now to be one of the first movies released from Fox Searchlight under new ownership. I was um, really close with, with Hitler the Pooh, wasn't I? <laughs> yes, yes, you were. And so, you know, it could be that could play a factor into it. But I want to I want to read you the synopsis of the first version of Jojo the Rabbit or sorry, Jojo Rabbit, which was the one that was released or was in the 2012 blacklist after and it goes like this. After being severely hurt by a grenade at a Hitler youth camp, a prideful and nationalistic 10 year old boy discovers that his mother is hiding a 15 year old Jewish girl in their house. That to me sounds like there could be more trouble to it than the other one of, and it says this and it gives the whole you know thing. Jojo rabbit um, by Taika Waititi, Thor Ragnarok, hot for wilder people blends his signature humor, pathos and deeply compelling characters in a world war II satire about a 10 year old boy who ridiculed by his peers and misunderstood by his mother. Can't quite figure out how to fit in as the naive young German struggles to understand his place in an incredibly fascist regime, he resorts to an imaginary friend who can offer advice and help him cope. So, yeah, it's one of those things that, like, I definitely get where you're coming from. And I do think that, but I think the, that Taika is the right person to walk this line with his humor. And will it be a hit with everyone? No. Will there probably be backlash? Yes. But at the same time, I look at it this way. I mean, he is not glorifying Hitler. He is not glorifying what happened at all. He is taking it and looking at it from a new, a different perspective. Right. And and, and one of the things I want to say is that a big Mel Brooks fan, uh, yeah. Mel Brooks has done this many times throughout the years, even little moments in like Indiana Jones when they run into Hitler and he signs their book that they're supposed to be burning and it's it's the notes that Indy's dad has his notebook and everything, and all of a sudden it's got Hitler's signature in it. It's a funny moment. You you can definitely do this. Quentin Tarantino is is the kind of person who would do this. So I, I agree. Nothing should be off limits. It in a in a world where people understand that fiction is just fiction and satire can be satire, and in skilled hands, something like this can absolutely be done. But I just wonder if right now the world is really actually able to accept it. I understand that people are like supporting him and they know that he's got a good vision, but just from the description, it sounds to me like something that is going to just get roundly attacked for 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 good reason or no reason. And and people are just going to want to see this go away. Now, now Corey, are you telling me that people on the internet are going to attack something for no reason whatsoever? When, well, I mean, it's when, not like Zack Snyder's directing it. No, when, when provided with evidence that shows "quote unquote" wrongdoing, when it, when they look at the full footage of a thing, they show that everything was done by the book. I'm actually talking about a specific movie that hap this happened to the movie "A Dog's Purpose." When that came out, there was "quote unquote" footage, but actually, no, I shouldn't say that's not the "quote unquote." There was uncut, undoctored footage. It was totally cut and doctored of a dog looking like it didn't want to do the stunt that it was and all that stuff but yet here enough people just read the headlines and didn't actually watch the full unedited video where they show that 
no, the dog, you know, they didn't force it in. They actually sat there and let it, you know, get used to the, you know, get used to what it had to do and all that stuff. And when it goes underwater, it only goes underwater for the split second. And then they cut and doggy comes back up. Yeah, I, I know the footage you're talking about. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. And I, I saw the the angry articles about that. And I kept saying, well, that seems very, uh, forgive me, uh, cut and dry. Because it's like, it, it's just showing us one moment. And that moment looks really bad. But I'm sure that there's a beginning before that and an end after that. And there's a whole bunch of footage that we're not seeing. I know, that that is what the internet does. But that's exactly my point. The internet's not in, in the mood to get things right. It's to get outraged. It's, it's this is offensive to me because of what I see in my head, not because of what you're actually doing. Yeah. And that's my point is that it's not about if he's going to make an excellent piece of satire uh, that is, you know, enhancing the message of Hitler's fucking awful. Not that that needs much enhancing, but it seems like these days some people might have gotten their signals crossed on that. But I, I, I look at it as he's not going to get the chance to show what his vision is yeah i just don't trust the world at large to let this happen uh at this point yeah so the last bit of news that we have is that john favreau you know happy hogan from uh the iron man you know the marvel movies uh last seen in spider-man homecoming you know packing up stark tower is set to executive produce and write a live action star wars tv series this is the TV series or one of the TV series series that will be on Disney's uh, new direct-to-consumer platform. So the Disney Network or whatever, the House of Mouse, whatever they're going to call the thing that is going to charge hopefully like $10. You know, it's not going to be something super outrageous and it's going to have stuff that's actually going to make me want to watch this and not be like, um, I'm going to stick to Hulu. But he's going to be doing a live-action show. And that's honestly i'm excited for this i've loved his a lot of his work um i actually have his imdb filmography on there which are including his acting roles which is throwing me but i mean you know i've i felt like he was really good you know he's done a lot of really good stuff as you know with his direction with his directing work you know like i actually i just rewatched the uh his pilot for about a boy that aired on nbc I love that episode. He directed the pilot. Okay, I don't even know he directed the pilot for Young Sheldon. That was really that was actually solid. But yeah, I mean, he's done like a lot of the stuff that he's directed. I've enjoyed. Now, have there been things that I've missed? Yeah, but I mean, I I, I think this is going to be a great. You know, him doing. Well, it's also how I, my entire life essentially I've been waiting for a Star Wars TV series, a live action Star Wars TV series. We had the Ewoks movies and the Christmas special doesn't really count for anything, but where we're at right now, what we could get is potentially at a level of, of at least the early star Wars films for how they can make this stuff look on TV. When you see what they've done with game of Thrones and some other big budget shows, uh, depending on how much they want to throw into this, this could be incredible. I haven't watched the, the new star Trek series discovery, but what I saw of the the first half of the pilot that aired on CBS, it looked really good. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is that we I watch I caught up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
the last couple of weeks. I also watched the first half of Jessica Jones second season the other day while I was sick. And there's there's still a level of TV stuff of what we see when it's superpowers, when it's uh, extraordinary things. And it's okay. You know, our, our expectations are really high. But I grew up watching things like The Greatest American Hero. And it's pretty obvious, you know, when they had him with his stomach on some fucking thing and he was in front of a green screen and pretend shake flying everywhere. And that was okay with me. I, I remember my secret identity with, with Jerry O'Connell. I, I, I put up with things, but now our tastes have gotten more sophisticated and we have a higher expectation from these things. If they meet those expectations, if they make a star Wars TV series that builds in the universe without just copying the same th- shit that's happened before actually expands it and looks comparable to what you would see in a movie man that's that is a game changer that is seriously something that sells a fucking service from day one where and, and that's what star trek discovery did for a lot of people is as i didn't sign up for the cbs streaming but a lot of people did because of that show because it's star trek and because it was a reasonable quality show. Now, Beat will tell you his opinions on whether or not it was good. And since I haven't watched, I can't. But I know a lot of people who were very into it and and 100% would never have signed up for CBS streaming service if not for that show. This is the show that would get, I think, even more people to sign up for a Disney service on top of everything else that they're going to wind up offering. This is like, boom, instant yes for yeah. for at least the first few months because so, nobody's so going to want to miss this. So here's my question for you because this sort of works in a weird, you have to connect some dots sort of way. The pilot episode for the Orville, did you like it? No. No? No. Nope. Okay, well, well then fuck it. You're not going to like, you're not going to like the show because he directed the pilot for the Orville. Yeah, but my problem with the with the show wasn't the direction. Yeah, it was the it was a, the writing. It was definitely the writing. Yeah. So I mean, so okay, so probably a bad example, but so if you liked the direction part of it, you'll will you'll probably like. But then again, it's not questioning his his direction right. on it because it looked great. But I mean, yeah. how much of that is effects and everything else? It the costumes, the sets, it it all adds up to a lot of different things. No, this is. John Favreau is is to me a a very good filmmaker and someone that I've liked as an actor for a long time. Someone as I like who who interviews people uh, about filmmaking and things. I, I've watched his shows uh, when he had that series where he he was talking to people in Hollywood and stuff. I like John Favreau a lot, yeah. and I think he's a very capable director, writer, everything. I I I I don't have a question about his ability to do good storytelling. But this is really way, way more about it being Star Wars. Yeah. You know, that's 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 it. And and at a point in time when we could be getting really fucking burnout on Star Wars, it just like we should be really fucking burnout on superhero movies. mm -hmm. Uh, And we'll have to see what Solo does coming up. And by the time this comes out, probably episode nine will have already happened. So we could be at a point where Star Wars is less endearing. To the fans, but I don't know. So we made it through the prequels. Yeah. So here's what I think will save it. If it's not focused on a known character. Right. Because honestly, you look look at the anime. I mean, 
okay, Clone Wars is is the exception to it. But you, but you look at the Clone Wars, you look at Star Wars Rebels. Both of those are now granted Star Wars the Clone Wars ha, it focused in on Obi-Wan and Anakin, but it focused a lot more on Ahsoka, which is the one character that I think that it could be about that yeah. would actually be a benefit as opposed to a hindrance. Yeah, and so and then you know Star Wars Rebels, you know, yes it did have, you know, Darth Vader and Princess Leia and some other some other characters like that in it they were guest spots it was not about those characters it wasn't about the skywalker legacy yeah exactly it's it was about you know this other you know the other people that we see that are just you know oh this is daniel craig in, a, in an outfit or this is you know simon Pegg, you know sweating his balls off inside of a of a creature costume you know it's 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 one of those things where you're you're getting these you know it's it's filling in the stuff of the skywalker saga but i feel like you can go even further than that and go fucking hell you look at the the star wars database and it has there's such a a world there a universe there that i mean you could tell stories and not run into another character you know ever again and all yeah. you, know, you know and all that stuff and, and um, that that's the thing it it's I I enjoyed Rogue One because it told a story that I didn't know, even though it related to a story that I very much did know. Yeah. Uh, and and it finished off leading directly into that story. So in a way, you know what the ending is, kind of, but not a hundred percent. But it introduced all these different characters, and it did great world building, and it wasn't a repetition. So I enjoyed that more than what i expect i will of solo even if solo is more of a movie story that i would like you know because it seems like it's it's more heistish you know it's it's rogues it, it it's the kind of thing it's firefly uh <laughs> it's that's that's the kind of thing that i that i dig but i think that i would appreciate rogue one more because of the fact that it is doing something with different characters and it's not so heavily leaning on vader and skywalker and obi-wan and all these things that you know honestly i think we put too much stock in for i know that they're important to the the original star wars trilogy but i don't think they should be what every trilogy is about because it takes the mystery out of it like the whole thing of the prequels to me the problem is that we already know vader being vader Mm -hmm. and him as anakin wasn't as interesting Certainly wasn't more interesting than him as Vader. Vader's a cool character. I don't give a fuck about Vader pre-Vader. That story means nothing to me. Because Vader was cool and Anakin made Vader less cool. Just like how in Chasing Amy, the guy describes Vader being all badass because he's black. And then as soon as they take off his fucking helmet and he's a white guy, it ruins the fucking character. (laughs) I I don't necessarily believe that that's exactly the case, but it is a moment of like, Oh well, shit. You know, I really wanted to see James Earl Jones come out of that. <laughs> I know it makes no yeah. sense, but fucking hell, it's space. So okay, so I'll, I'll ask this question, then we're gonna move. We're gonna wrap up the story or wrap up the news segment here. You have so you have basically the the nine films here. You know, by the way, one. if Mace Window was Luke's dad, Luke wouldn't be such a little bitch. Exactly. No, you, you're right. You're right. So you, you got the you got the nine. Like let's let's just say that they quit doing. Star Wars episodes after nine. 
do you want to see this TV show take place before or after the nine movies? Because because would... I'll put it to you this way. Before, what a lot of people would say is, oh, then it's going to be the Knights of the Old Republic. Which a lot of people want. Yeah, which a lot of people want. Where after you have a lot of the expanded universe that's now in the 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 Star Wars Legends uh, category now, where there's a lot of stuff in there that's really good. And, you know, a lot of people would like to see stuff, you know, honestly, a lot of people would like to see that pulled into the movies now. Let's put it this way. It doing the Knights of the Old Republic, you have a lot of possibilities. Doing it after episode nine, you have endless possibilities. So I don't know. I I I certainly don't hate telling a story that we don't know any real details of and doing something fresh and new from that, but I'm I'm less interested in a Game of Thrones prequel than I am a Game of Thrones sequel. Not that I'm necessarily jumping up and down for any of them, because I feel like once Game of Thrones is done, if they finish it well, then you just got a really great series, and why fuck around with that? It's Star like, Wars... You want, you want to watch some more Game of Thrones? Well, rewatch Game of Thrones. Right, well, it's it's like saying, well, you, you like fucking Avengers movies? We've already had two. <laughs> but, well, no, but I no, sure I mean, wouldn't buy two more. <laughs> It's. I mean, instead of like the whole, oh, well, we're gonna do a prequel, focus on this character for for the Game of Thrones thing, you know, right? Like, yeah, and, you know, and if, that's if you do it good enough, you know, with the ending. Then instead of going, you know, and George R. R. Martin finally, if ever, finishes the books, which by the way, I love that. See, I love that little bit in Logan Lucky, um, where they they actually hit on that. And they're like, man, this bullshit. Like the prisoners are like, their ransom dem- demands are the final two books. I haven't like, seen Logan Lucky yet, and I, I was it's looking dumb, for it actually. Yeah, it's dumb humor, but it's right, gonna, I, I, re- I rented it. I rented it on uh like through a Google Play credit where I got I rented it for a dollar, and that's one of the scenes as they're they're holding the prison guards hostage so that they could do the whole bank heist thing. It's like we want the la- the final two books. They're like, I'm sorry, but the the last books have been delayed. Man, George R. R. Martin was keeping pace. Like, well, I'm sorry, I'm reading from the Wikipedia page. <laughs> You know, so basically like you're doing a podcast in this movie because yeah that's, that's what i figured out is no, like it was any it was, any the, deeply nerdy conversation it is it's just a podcast it's just a podcast where nobody's recording it but that's all it is <laughs> yeah but no i mean because i mean i'd have to agree with you honestly i don't know where they could do it i mean they could do anywhere you know i figured i'd just ask you your opinion on it but yeah so that's gonna do it here for the news i'm and, just hoping for a greedo love story Exactly. Just Greedo's wife just going, that bastard shot first. My Greedo was just going to threaten him. It was empty. <laughs> but yeah, That's why they don't have kids, because Greedo's been shooting first and it's empty in bed, too. <laughs> <laughs> she She's seeing Hammerhead on the side. <laughs> and that is going to do it for the news, and we will be right back. We're back, and it is time for the view, the else views. This is the section of the show where we talk about the comic books we've read, the TV shows we've watched, the video games we've played, you know, and basically everything that's been on our nerdy little hearts that we want to talk about. So, in my never-ending, never-ceasing quest to get caught up to the current week of comics, I am currently three weeks behind now. Like, so I got the current week, and then I got two weeks behind it to get caught up on. But one of the things I did get read is the DC Comics crossover event called milk wars by the way three weeks behind my favorite homoerotic adult film based off of the 50 shades series (laughs) 
but yeah so this is this series is the dc young animal imprint and the justice league crossover where you have the doom patrol so basically there's what five six books no five sorry you have uh, doom patrol and justice league of america batman and mother panic i'm blanking on her name like gotham girl no that's the chick in the beginning of the of one series cave carson has a cybernetic eye and swamp thing which is really good and then the wonder woman and shade the changing girl and then you have justice league doom patrol for the final wasn't there a superman one uh no superman the superman didn't have one so this is the culmination of the first year of dc's young animal they hit heavily on you know with doom patrol like leading up to this with the stuff of a thing called retcon so what we have because on the first issue of you know with uh, doom patrol justice league of america you have a guy who looks like an awful lot like superman but he's the milkman and he's actually called milkman man like literally milkman than man but you you quickly and that issue was written by um steve orlando and gerard way the other issues afterwards were written by the young animals writers so for example mother panic and batman was written by jody hauser cecil castellucci wrote uh cave carson and then the author of shade which no, i think shade was written by cecil but the the writers of the the Young animal, animal books yeah. uh, wrote these books too, and honestly did a really great job. I mean, the and it's it's interesting how they did this. And first off, they call it on Comicsology the unevent of the year, but the two end books really capture the whole story. The three middle books are not really filler, but it explains how things sort of happened. You know, with Wonder Woman breaking out of of Retcon and Batman breaking out of Retcon and Cave Carson setting up the whole thing with the three books in the middle. Really, really, really great. You know, I definitely love this idea of doing this just because of the fact that it wrapped up so much stuff to where I haven't seen solicitations for, well, I haven't looked that hard, but I haven't heard anything about Doom Patrol. Like after this, they talked about all the other stuff coming up from DC's Young Animal with Eternity Girl and uh, Shade the Changing Woman and Cave Carson has an interstellar eye and Eternity Girl. But I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Where's Doom Patrol? This honestly was a great wrap up to to Doom Patrol because beforehand um, to play spoiler here a little bit, Retcon, they're trying to sell off Earth to some other you know some interstellar being who is going to buy it so that they can then eat it but they want to get rid of those pesky heroes so they pleasantville the shit out of this planet through their milk called retcon brought to you by their hero milkman man because they realize you know all these heroes have basically if you get the three actually if you get the two batman in one room and you then have all the other heroes because they're just iterations of Batman or Wonder Woman. But Superman is his own thing. We can't get him, but we have this 
thing that is nothing. And it is, I'm blanking on her name, the girl with the silver or the gold leg in Doom Patrol that you follow throughout all the Doom Patrol on here. It's her kid that she has that just goes away or something. They sort of, it sort of gets retconned. He becomes Milkman Man and hilarity ensues from there as you know they're fighting and all this stuff really well done i the art and stuff is great throughout this whole thing i mean because it's just across the board and it's it's hard to explain because the three middle books are such just short stories you know like single solitary issues that i mean if you read them by yourself by themselves yes it would throw everything off but at the same time you could literally read the Doom Patrol Justice League of America book and then Justice League Doom Patrol book and be good. Like you just miss a lot of great writing in between. And honestly, uh, what's really stuck out to me, the art for Shade the Changing Girl and Wonder Woman because they call, well, first off, they call Wonder Woman Wonder Wife. So it's, you know, the whole 50s, you know, leave uh, Beaver's mom uh, from Leave It to Beaver, you know, where she's like, you know, clean you know clean house is a good you know it's a good thing we gotta keep it clean for 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 our love steve and all that. and they have uh shade uh the changing girl split up as the emotions and you're following happy or hap as she's called as she's starting to get memories uh and see how things really are and it's cool because you get this Almost like the artist on Aquaman right now, or, or just finished up on Aquaman. I cannot um, pronounce his last name, but he. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. He's a great artist. Yeah, it's it's almost like as good as his art in the beginning, and then we get where Shade is taking over. So you're getting the the dot the you know the blue the multicolored spots all over the place, you know, to where it's like you know it's revealing reality and all that, and just this great you know how it begins to how it ends this whole change in things but yeah the i mean gosh every single issue was really good one of the only events that i actually know of that i could say it was great from start to finish even though the and it's sort of a cop-out because of the fact that i just you know how i just said that you can read the beginning and end books and not really need the three middle books but it's one of those where it does save a lot of the the fighting for the final book but that's because they even ever when they give you the, you know, continued next in the first book, they say it's continued next in the final book, but you can find out more in these other three and all that. And they were released, you know, week after week after week, you know, they were released the past, um, what two. So starting two weeks ago, the past five weeks before that. And, but yeah, I mean, it's so good, just excellent stuff. And I was holding off on milk wars cause I wanted to wait for everything and then read it all at once. Um, but yeah, so that is my nerding out. Corey, you got something you want to share? No, just that I want to say that Milkman Man should be the alternate ID for Brandon Raymond from Inky Studios. <laughs> <laughs> so I got another quick one, and it's super quick. Jason Kadoms has released a new show on NBC called Rise. That is really, really good. Stars uh, Josh Radner from How I Met Your Mother. And... Uh, the girl who plays Moana, she's in here as well. Aloui Cavallo or something like that. Um, I bl- I butchered the crap out of her name, but I watched the pilot and I'm like, all right, this is really, 
like okay i don't know if i could do this and parenthood oh parenthood's ending great or not parenthood uh this is us is season finale great now i'm not gonna be like an emotional wreck on wednesdays after watching the stuff the shows that air on tuesdays <laughs> but yeah rise on nbc probably other places around the world i don't know because i don't live in a- around the world but yeah that is it for the else news and or else views we will be right back and we are back with the else words this is the big t- discussion topic point and i brought to the table a question and this is based on the fact that we hear in the news uh, in the world of comics that oh this this writer or artist has signed exclusively to dc or has signed exclusively to marvel um we had that with uh brian michael bendis leaving marvel where he had been you know there for the past what 15 years or was it 17 it was like either 15 or 17 it's hard for me to remember now it's been a yeah. long time yeah he i mean he's been there forever and then going to dc and then Chip Zdarsky signing exclusively to Marvel. Do you, th- you know, that was the latest one that came out this week was that he signed to Marvel. And with Zdarsky, he has a other book that is not at Marvel. You know, he has sex criminals that he works on over at Image. And I, I think he has other stuff, but I just haven't found it yet. So the question is, do you think... Well, he was doing Archie for a while, too, correct? Yeah, yeah he was doing, he was doing um, Jughead. Jughead, that, that's right, that's right. But then Mark Wade took over, and now it's a lot of Mark Wade doing stuff because the Betty and Veronica book only lasted three issues because the dude took his sweet-ass time. Was it Adam Hughes? Yes. Yeah, everybody would have figured. <laughs> Adam Hughes art is is beautiful. It is awe strikingly gorgeous. He is not a fast artist. The yeah. it, it's it's not unusual to have some of the most sought va- sought after artists being incredibly slow because they're so meticulous in what they're doing. But then you have people who are just fucking nailing it out of the park every fucking issue like a Derek Robertson or somebody who can do issue after issue after issue be on time be early do special projects at the same time yeah so it's an unfortunate side effect that some artists are particularly slow yeah and that's why I often value the idea that hasn't really picked up yet of doing Doing graphic graphic novels novels or stories have it all done before it's solicited but be that as may you got some Adam Hughes doing Betty Veronica. That that's oh, yeah. nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. So, do you think that because I mean, you look at at the rankings and it's you know Marvel and DC switching back and forth between one and two for Diamond distribution um, for single issues, and then you know coming up at third is Image Comics. Do you think? Do you ever think we'll get to the point where these exclusive deals will affect Image Comics? <sighs> Image particularly, I don't think so in the sense that right now we're talking about people going to Image to do creator own work. And I don't think DC or Marvel can really make a case of we're going to hire you exclusively to us, but you can't do your own thing as well. I think if if you meet the obligations of hitting your schedule for Marvel books, uh, be it as an artist, be it as a writer or whatever... It's like, hey, you owe us three scripts this month for these different books that you're doing, or you owe us this many scripts in a year for whatever books that we put you on to be able to keep your benefits and and insurance and everything else. Like, this is what we're doing as part of your exclusive contract. You meet your provisions and that's fine. But the exclusivity is we don't want you 
having a contract over DC because then what if you're selling out Batman when you're supposed to be selling out Captain America for us? But for especially for a pre-existing thing of Zdarsky on sex criminals. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I I really don't see that being something that either company is going to do. Now, they may have encouraged things like Marvel when they got Bendis. They eventually created an imprint for Bendis to do his creator own work through them. DC sounds like they might be doing some of that stuff as well, but it sounds as though he's diversifying some of those books that he had existing before, maybe because the artists that are his co-creators on him, maybe not. But yeah, if, if Marvel says, you can do creative work that's your own stuff that you own, just publish it through us, possibly. Yeah. But I don't really think that they they care about that. It, Marvel and DC's competition is each other. Yeah. If anything... I don't know if this has been the case yet, but if they say, no, it's not just DC we don't want you to work at as a, as a Marvel exclusive, we don't want you to work at Valiant, we don't want you to work at IDW, we don't want you to work at Archie or Boom, those sorts of things, because those are normally characters that you don't personally own. So yeah. you can't work on any other licensed material. You can only do our stuff or your own stuff. And that, that's that's that was gonna be the second question I was gonna ask. Well, what do you so what do you say for you know an image if it's a you know for example a rat queens you know where where they they have an artist or a person like Chip who is both a writer and an artist you know a book like Rat Queens or Spawn you know that is someone else's work you know it's someone else's title like like and, and yeah honest, if, if I'm Marvel and I've got Bendis on in exclusive contract bendis who's worked on spawn properties before am i okay with him then going over and doing spawn at the same time because it's todd's stuff well th- th- that may be a little bit trickier because of the fact that it's spawn but... but that's exactly the point yeah is that there's there's not a lot of things at image that aren't at properties done by their own creators spawn yeah. is one of the only ones that is todd created it todd did the book for a number of years but now He's had, I think, at least a decade of him not really being the sole creator or even one of the creators a lot of the times. He's he's not doing that book month in, month out. He's got his hands in too many other things in business and stuff. Whereas Eric Larson, Savage Dragon has only ever been by him except for issue 14, I think, that was by Jim Lee that Larson later on went back and said, yeah, fuck that book uh, and <laughs> did his own version of 14 to get rid of the what was it? The grifter story disguised as a savage dragon comic that Jim yeah. Lee did when they did that trade off. And by the way, it wasn't like Jim Lee did savage dragon 14 and Eric Larson didn't also do a Wildstorm book. It's just when Eric Larson did the Wildstorm book, he was doing that book. He wasn't just doing savage dragon and like those characters show up for five minutes. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. And I think when it comes to something like that, especially when you're a creator at the level of a Sadarsky or a Bendis or a uh, uh, Jim Chung, who is apparently going over to DC now because he's released artwork from his Justice League run with Scott Snyder, and he's been Marvel exclusive for a long time. Yeah. If you're one of those people that you get that exclusivity contract, then I think you're also the kind of person that they're going to say, "Do we want to make an allowance for for this guy or or woman?" 
to be able to do this other thing. As long as it's not our direct competition, which is funny how that's initials equal DC, then yeah, I, I think that they would just be like, sure, go ahead. You know, it doesn't get in the way of you hitting your your deadlines for us. Do the atomic robo story. Do the whatever. You know, I, I think that that's something that they would be like, we don't care about that. You know what we care about. You know, behind closed doors, we don't want you fucking writing Superman right now. Uh, we want you writing Spider-Man and that's it. And that's that's the the benefit of being a freelancer is that you can go to anywhere. And the disadvantage is that you don't get a lot of the other benefits. Like when uh, Marvel wasn't having Kelly Sudakonic go to their retreats and they said it was because she wasn't ex- an exclusive creator, but they had other people who weren't exclusive creators going to their retreats, which is kind of shitty. But that is at least an excuse of, you know, we're looking at the people who are the pillars for our creative future right now. And these are the ones that we know we've got guaranteed to work on our books for a certain period of time. So they're the ones who get involved in this. I don't see image in the idea of it being creator-owned stuff, which is not to say that Marvel and DC don't see image as a threat. They are the third biggest comic company in, in America. And a lot of their successes are really not successes of the company so much as successes of the creators. Do you think, okay, so do you, so do you think they look at DC more, or not DC, at image more as uh, sort of like the minor leagues? Now, what I mean by that is not necessarily like, oh, they're below us, but a way to look to find talent but without having to risk anything on their own because it's it's the image you know publishers that are doing the risk of it you know and stuff like that you know finding the Matthew Rosenbergs out No there. that's exactly what I was going to say is that 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 is it one image is risking more because Marvel gets somebody to to do a book for them even if it's a, a squirrel girl it's still their property, yeah. you know, and they can take you off of that book the next month because you're not doing what they think you should on it. You're not hitting the sales. It's not garnering their inches. They'll give you a new number one in three months anyways, because it's fucking Marvel. But image they put in and they launch a rat Queens and then shit goes wrong with one of the creators on the book and it disappears off the shelves when it should be doing really well. They've made an investment in that book to get it out there. And it's, yeah it's detrimental to them to lose that creator or to have those hiccups happen. And the other part of it is you're absolutely right, is that Marvel and DC look at the people who are putting out books at Image and say, shit, that guy over there is doing a really good job with his creator-owned book. We should get him on our book. You know, I think he would do a really incredible job with Green Lantern. So how do we how do we pull him away? And you don't pull him away by saying, yeah, stop doing your creator own thing, the thing that you can sell and make real money on. Just because you're getting a steady paycheck from us, we're not going to cut you off from being able to, you know, go big Hollywood motherfucker and and sell the the rights to whatever this is. You know, it's they got to understand and they do, I think, that for a lot of creators, it's far more lucrative to do their own thing 
than to work at these other companies. But these other companies are a very good stepping stone to getting your name recognition out there so that people say, wow, I really like this writer over here. Oh, and he's he's doing some creator-owned stuff now, too. Like that, Kirkman did that. Kirkman yeah. was doing in, Invincible and doing The Walking Dead and was doing fine. But then he went over to Marvel and Marvel got his name into a lot of other stuff. He did Marvel Zombies, you know, created that franchise for them. He did, I can't remember the name of the book, but he did basically, it was like a, it was another superhero take that was kind of similar to Invincible in a lot of ways. But he did these other things and stuff. And then he decided, you know, I make a lot more money in my own things. He's like, so I've done the Marvel stuff for a little while. I got to play with characters that I wanted to play with. But now I'm going to go full in back in The Walking Dead, which seems to be picking up steam and Invincible, which is doing just fine. You know, and I'm best making more books. Just wrapped up, I think. Yeah, just now. But I mean, this was years ago. This yeah. was 10 years ago or whatever that he was doing this. Same thing with the Brian K. Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Brian K. Vaughn got well known doing things like Runaways at Marvel, doing Why the Last Man and uh, Ex Machina at DC. But obviously making a far different impact with things like Saga and Image you know, and controls it so that if Saga gets optioned, he and Fiona get to reap the benefits of that themselves. They don't write what is essentially a script for the next Thor movie, you know, and, and get mentioned in the credits, but that's about it. Yeah. Now is, is, I th- do you think Brian K. Vaughn is the last one to work at both DC and Marvel at the same time? Cause I don't I, know if he was, cause what, I don't did, even remember if it was at the same time, but didn't, because didn't why come out the why the last man come out at the same time as uh, runaways i think why the last man was still running when runaways came out he, yeah. he might have still been doing the book but it had been out for a few years before but yeah and, and i don't think he was he was the last one either i think it's just that a lot of the people that we see again aren't exclusive but they're also not the big names that are getting the attention no actually i think the last one was charles soul yeah because he, he was doing red lanterns at dc isn't taylor Lane doing stuff at both companies no yeah so i mean it's it's i guess it's not as weird to see people doing you know both things um because i think sam humphreys was doing both a little bit too but it just i mean because honestly i brought up the question because i'm sitting here thinking you know it's like like i'm seeing into the future where you know disney and warner brothers realize that they're these comic book worlds are going to be you know are going to be a lot bigger than what they think they're going to be and then we have this, you know, where they're like, all right, well, we want them working here. We want them giving us new ideas and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it was me sort of picturing them going, all right, you can't create anything new over at Image or work for, like, I figured the exclusive thing might include, like, the others that aren't creator-owned publishers, you know, like the IDWs and all that stuff, but... Yeah, Valiant would be like the next step, I think. Yeah. If you're saying, oh, well, I'm doing Iron Man, but I'm also doing Exo Manowar. Yeah. Uh, then people are going to see the parallels. And could your run of Iron Man, if it's if it's considered really good, boost Exo Manowar to give Valiant that next step up the ladder to get more recognition? And, and it's like, yeah. hey, I li- I'm liking this Exo. Hey, what's this What's this guy over here, this Bloodshot? Oh, I hear Vin Diesel is going to be playing him in a movie. Well, that's stupid, but I'll still check out the book because I'm here. <laughs> you know, that, that it's just... I'm, I'm teasing. But oh, yeah. 
I, I, I do agree with you that that is the next step. I just don't think that they see them as competition yet. And that's that's part of the problem, because for creators, the best thing that they could hope for is to have multiple choices, multiple outlets to do work. You know, when publishers go away or publishers don't succeed and we don't and we're stuck with this duopoly, essentially, of Marvel and DC, that's not good for anybody. Because what if you have a bad relationship with an editor over at DC so you can only work at Marvel to pay your bills? But it's not where your heart is. And it turns out one day you get on somebody's last nerve at Marvel 2 for whatever reason, and then you've got neither place that you can work at. John Byrne. It's just kind of like, that's bullshit. That was John Byrne's fault all the way. But it is just kind of like, fuck. You know, we, if we, it's, it's a two party system. It's a goddamn two party system. And image is the independent. It's the green party. (laughs) And, um, I guess valiant libertarians. I, I just, I, I, I see a point in time where we're so hungry for new content to be pulled into netflix is buying the the rights for rob liefeld stuff which has been out for a long time but it makes sense because he's so prominent right now with the the deadpool stuff and now cable but deadpool and cable are still kind of like the last two new characters that marvel had that got prominence you know how many other characters have gotten big in the last 20 years that that didn't pre-exist that or aren't legacy characters you know kamala khan is a legacy character as much as she is absolutely her own thing but she's a legacy character that's also an inhuman yeah. you know how many brand new things are there that you can then say oh yeah you know i'm gonna be the next rob liefeld by working at marvel and and having a character that got really popular in marvel books and then winds up on the big screen so it's not like i own it but because I was a co-creator and had a good deal at Marvel at the time, I'm going to reap all these benefits. It's still not the same thing as having the benefits of being the guy who made Spawn and then has a hugely successful Spawn franchise. But it is pretty fucking good. I don't know. I I, I, I think that there's... At this point in time, I'm just glad to see artists getting good deals. Uh, yeah. Artists and, and writers. But I also feel that there's a lot of underserved people and i still think of marvel and dc as like the the fast food restaurants of the comics world not because that they don't do quality stuff or incapable of quality stuff but it is the this is my my first job out of college this is this is where i cut my teeth you know in, in the old days it was like you'll do backup stories you'll you'll do like a weird kind of inferior five book or something and now it's like those things are the shit that grant morrison comes in and says i want to do an inferior five comic uh i want to do miracle man but not not the miracle man that people know i want to do the other miracle man uh i i want to do these things and it's like well shit you know that's the stuff that that the new guy's supposed to do so he can come up and then work his way up to doing uh, a teen titans issue and then making his way over to doing a run on aquaman for a couple of years to finally move up into the batman seat so it it sucks that it's just like this back and forth between these 20 big names that are like, oh, well, Bendis went over here this week, and that's a huge cut to Marvel. Well, Marvel's going to take this other person and, and move them over there. It's like we need to have diversity of creators. We need to have room for the next generation of creators. 
Yeah. And and that's why I think you graduate out. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I did I did Spider-Man for this many years. I did X-Men for a few years. And now I, I'm gonna go over and do Superman because that's exciting to me right now. But obviously the long term is that I'm gonna do my own stuff. You know, who wants to work for these companies forever? I think Jeff Johns kind of does. I think Jeff Johns loves the DC universe so much that I don't feel like he feels he's missing out by not doing creator own stuff, but he's also benefited from it in such a way that his job has changed in so many different ways. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I, I definitely think like it's like, well, but to be honest, I thought it was, I thought it would have been the same thing with, uh, with John Romita Jr. too. You know I mean? Like where, you know, they got so high up at, you know, DC or Marvel, like, you know, it's like, it's like the Jeff Johns or the, uh, starts with a Q over at Marvel. Joe Casada. Joe Casada. That's it. Where it's like, you know, they're, they're just so ingrained, you know, in, on the, on the editorial side of things to where it's like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't see them moving. And you know, it, it would be like, honestly, I'll say it this way. It will be a shock to see, you know, Jeff John stepping down from DC going over to Marvel or Joe Casada stepping down at Marvel, going over to DC. Well, the, stuff like that. do you know the history of Casada? Um, a little bit, but not a whole lot. So Casada uh, really broke into the the world of, of like the being well known, doing sort of Azrael, and and then introducing the the Azrael as Batman art and character and stuff like that. I don't know that he's a creator of the character so much, but the the Azrael costume I think is is one of the coolest costumes from the '90s, and and just in general is one of my favorite costumes. Not Azrael Batman, but Azrael himself from the sort of Azrael uh, miniseries that leads into that, the John Paul Valley character, Casada and Palmiotti, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti. They were partners. They were best friends. They did pretty much everything together. They wound up creating their own comic company. Uh, called Event Comics, and they did a comic book called Ash, which was based off of a, a firefighter who gets superpowers. And they did, I think it was, if I remember the number correctly, I think it was Twenty One Brides, maybe it's Ninety Nine Brides. I don't remember. And then they did Painkiller Jane. So they did these three series in their own comic universe. Uh, Painkiller Jane became a TV series. Yeah, I, I remember Painkiller Jane. Yeah, and then they they went over to Marvel because Marvel at the, around the same time that Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee spun off the Heroes Heroes Reborn universe stuff with Iron Man, Captain America, the Avengers, and uh, Thor or Fantastic Four. I'm sorry. When they did that, the Marvel Knights thing happened, and the Marvel Knights thing was Casada and Palmiati were basically coming in as editors and creators to take some of the Marvel characters that weren't selling well, like Daredevil and Punisher and a couple other ones. And Casada and Palmiati did the Daredevil run with Kevin Smith first. And then they brought in Brian Michael Bendis to write the book later. And it was because of how successful they were with Marvel Knights that Casada moved up into the position of being made editor in chief eventually. And from essentially being one of the editors in, of the Marvel Knights imprint. Palmiotti, on the other hand, wound up leaving and going over to DC and working there uh, with with his wife, but also with Justin Gray and everything. So it's it's it was weird to see that split happen. 
and I don't know any rumors of if there were bad blood or anything between them, but Palmiotti's been a DC pretty much ever since. I think he's done stuff at Marvel, and he also does a lot of his own creator own stuff. And Quesada essentially stopped doing much of the creative stuff as he had to go deeper and deeper into being editor in chief and then whatever his position is now at Marvel. But that's that's exactly it. Is like when you get to a certain point, it's like being a teacher in a high school and working until you get tenure. But the only step up that you can really do is getting to be vice principal, principal, working on the board of education, that kind of things. You can only go so far as a teacher before you have to change positions entirely to be this other thing to get the the step up in career and money. And I, I think that that's at a certain point when you're at DC or Marvel. If you've done that, if you're the Jim Lee like, yeah, every once in a while, Jim Lee's going to act like he's going to draw a book, but you'll never fucking see the pages hit. Or he'll do covers here and there. Jeff Johns will write a series, but it's funnily going from like coming out every month to bi-monthly to we'll see when we see the next issue of Doomsday Clock because you're too fucking busy. And you're, you're in there for the love of comics, but you also got to keep getting that paycheck. Yeah. And I don't know. It, I'm... I'm not against any of that. I, I don't have any harbor of ill will towards anybody for their successes. It's just then we've got these people, these names, and it's always like 10 or 20. It's like the old wizard lists, the hot writers of the month, the hot artists of the month, the 10 of each. Yeah. And it's the same people month in, month out, month in, month out. And it's like, why isn't Terry Moore on this list? Because fucking Strangers in Paradise is killing it. Yeah. You never see him up there. And yet you see some hot artist who hasn't had an issue hit the stands in fucking six months because he's sitting at home playing his fucking GameCube instead of actually drawing the fucking comics. But he's a billionaire, so he doesn't have to do any work anymore. I'm sorry. I wanted to read the rest of Battle Chasers, asshole. (laughs) Corey's not bitter at all. Yeah. Did I answer your question? Yeah. No, yeah, you you did. So, I mean, that's going to do it for us. But if, if you want to join us live, you can. We record usually on Thursdays. But, you know, work and life sometimes gets in the way of that. But the way you can find out when we're going to be on, follow the show on Twitter. You can follow us at, at ElseNerds. Um, you can follow the, the network at Galactic Netcast. You can also do the Facebook thing. You know, just search for Galactic Netcast on Facebook. Um, all of our subscription options can be found over at GNCast.com slash subscribe. You can contact us, get get a hold of us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or email us mail at elsenerds.com. And you can follow the producer extraordinaire that he is, Beatmaster at Beatmaster80. Sean Burns, who we need to get a hold of because, you know, weather's getting warmer. Maybe he'll be able to join us in the summer again. Um, but you can follow him at SBurnsPA. And you can follow me at on Twitter at that Gregor or go to my Twitch and subscribe or no, follow me there. Cause I don't think I have the subscribe option at all because I think I only have like five people following me over at twitch.tv slash that Gregor. Get me to where I can do subscribers so I can start making money. That'd be great. Also, now, it's just a reason to sit and hang out with Gregor a little bit more, exactly. which is why I did it. I, I'm not, I'm not much of a watch people game thing, but I like listen to one of my best friends sit and talk shit while he's, He's playing around and it's just yes. Mark Gregor. My week is a good week for me. Uh, <laughs> I sort of maybe have something coming up. 
And I, of, I guess it's not really as much of a maybe. You sort of maybe have inspired me to get a hold of them, of those guys, and be like, hey, especially since I just, just looking at their email, you got room for one more on that show over there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to say too much about it right now. Uh, in fact, that's kind of the theme of the show is uh, to SDFU. I, I, there's there's going to be a new show. It, it's I'm not doing it on the Galactic uh, Netcast, but it's strictly because it's not really network appropriate, which I know you're already saying, but Corey, you're the least appropriate person on this network. <laughs> uh, this is worse. And it's also just, I, I felt the themes <laughs> fit better with our friends over at Ink Geek Studios. So yes. in the next couple of weeks, uh, I'll talk about it a little bit more where you'll be able to find it. But if you if you want to know more, you can go follow Ink Geeks on, on Twitch and watch their other shows, uh, Mind of a Geek, All Geeked Up, Indie Case Files, all great stuff. And, uh, and, yeah, and join them actually this Saturday for Mind of a Geek with their guest is Harold Silvestri. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm looking right here at the email. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's the thing is if if you want to know more about what I've got going on, uh, keep your ears open. Be sure to follow Ink Geek Studios over at Twitch at twitch.tv slash inkedgeekstudios. And the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or another show. Galactic Network podcast, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.